This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody, Happy New Year and welcome to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmey, your host for the day and I'm joined by two fine gentlemen. Happy New Year, Ian Doyle. Hello there, Joe. Have you got any um, New Year's resolutions for us? No. No? Okay, <laughs> no, no don't, believe in, don't believe in New Year either. So, so is I mean, it still 2020? Oh no, I mean, I don't believe in celebrating New Year. It's just another year, isn't it? Let's just crack on. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Just, that's, that's your New Year's resolution. Just crack on. Theo, any any uh, Theo Squires, by the way, any New Year's resolutions for you? I think so. Depends if uh, we're allowed out and travelling, go on more holidays. But, uh, I think most people have that one this year. Yeah. You went away this year, Theo. You went away. Yeah, last year, you went away. I've a couple of brief ones, but I'm supposed to be going away for the Euros, aren't I? Had quite a few of those booked before they decided that they might cancel it all. Oh, well, they're, they're going to happen in England, aren't they? So you won't have to go very far. It's yeah. not quite the same, is it? Rather than going to like Bilbao, I'm going to go to Sheffield. No, oh. just eliminated <laughs> the whole of our Sheffield listenership yeah. there. Well done. Sorry, Sheffield. My heart bleeds for you, Theo. Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on because we've got quite a lot to get through. Um, we'll start up in Newcastle, um, which looked cold, Ian Doyle, and um, wasn't the best from Liverpool really on um, the other night. It was um, a difficult performance. Didn't quite get going. What went wrong? Well, for a start, it was quite cold, yeah. It was actually really cold. But fortunately, at Newcastle, it's one of the few grounds where they've, they've let us into the executive boxes, so it was quite warm in between the halves. Anyway, I'm sure you're all interested in that. Going on to the game. The game itself, right? I don't think Liverpool were anywhere near as bad as some people are saying. I mean, on any other day, they could win that game 2-0 comfortably and nobody would say a single word. And obviously, the reason they didn't win is because they didn't create, they didn't take their chances they created the chances. I mean, they had, what was it, two at least clear-cut chances where Mohamed Salah is one-on-one with the goalkeeper, more or less. And you know, one the keeper saves, one he puts narrowly wide. Roberto Firmino has a good header, which the keeper makes a good save, and then later on has a free header, which was you know very reactionary because the keeper missed the, the corner. And then uh, later on, even still, they had another header, which the keeper made an even better save, I thought. And then you've got the uh, the chance for Sadio Mane where, the, where Sharkley is off the line. So you look at that and you go, well, there's five, actually, what you call really good chances. When you compare to the second half performance against West Brom, in fact, you could even say the first half performance against West Brom because they didn't really, you know, was it two shots on target? One was the goal, one was that Firmino header, which was saved. So the interesting thing for me from that is that Firmino suddenly started getting into these positions where he's, he's, he's having chances, you know, which wasn't happening a, a few weeks ago. That goal against Tottenham has made a massive difference for him, follows up with the two against Palace. Uh, but the game itself, as I say, Liverpool first half an hour, I think they were slightly taken aback by the way that Newcastle approached the game because Newcastle, not saying they absolutely went for it, but they were a lot more progressive and ambitious than, than maybe people would have thought anyone who saw their home game against Chelsea earlier this year, earlier sorry, earlier in the season. You know, but then they were just it looks like they were just sitting back and waiting to get beat. And I think Liverpool pushed them back after the first half an hour. But that's been the case in too many Liverpool away games this season. You know, Fulham in the first half, they were quite poor. Uh, Brighton in the first half, they were quite poor. They seemed to take a, a lot too long to get going. And obviously, Crystal Palace, they scored after two minutes, which, you know, that was the perfect start for them. But they've not been able to do that too often on the road this season, which is why they've won only the uh, only the two games. And one of them was against the Chelsea team that was down to 10 men uh, by the time Liverpool scored the first goal. So, 
if there's any concerns, it's with the away form. But in terms of the overall performance, yeah, you know, there were one or two people who were below the best. You look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, who he's been very much up and down this season. Curtis Jones was uh, put in a slightly difficult difficult position because of the way that he was asked to play a bit more advanced and you know, the, the team overall just didn't quite get going until a lot later on. And I know we'll go on to Thiago in a bit and how, how much of a difference that, that he made. But it's frustrating the fact that Liverpool should easily have won that game. And if they'd have won it, nobody would have made any complaints. And I think if that was taken in isolation, people wouldn't be too bothered. But as I say, following on from the West Brom game, which they drew the away record, which, as I say, isn't the best. They've now, what was it, drawn four, drawn against four of the bottom six. So that's kind of going back to... Liverpool from a couple of years ago where they weren't able to knock these teams over. But you look at when, when they come up against the good teams, beating Chelsea, beating Arsenal, Drew, Druid City, beating Tottenham, beat Leicester, beat Wolves. So that, possibly the frustration is the fact that they can't seem to build on those results by beating the you know, the lesser teams, especially when they're, you know, these, they put everybody behind the ball and look to make life difficult for Liverpool, which again, as I say in a bit, Thiago can be somebody who can make the difference. Well, Theo, Doyle's touched on it there. Why do you think that Liverpool are struggling now? As, as Doyle mentioned, draws with Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Newcastle now. That's four out of the bottom five. Why do you think Liverpool are struggling with those with those teams? Is it just a case of them putting men behind the ball, making Liverpool try and play through them? Or is there something else at play? Um, I think part of it is the missing Diogo Yota. Because you look at the games he scored in this season, it's been those key moments when it's been a tight game and he's made the difference, having that extra option off the bench. And they have lacked that a few times in recent weeks. We're only just seeing the players come back now, like Jean Shakiri coming on as a last-minute substitute. But when Liverpool are so dangerous, they're so deadly, when you've got these lower teams, you're obviously going to do what West Brom did and just sit deep, play for the draw, and if you can nab a goal, great. It's just Liverpool have got to accept that. Um, this year, it was always going to be a strange one with no fans, again, for the majority uh, with such fixture congestion, the teams can't do the preparation on the training field properly. Jurgen Klopp, when he's choosing his team, is essentially having to put out the fittest eleven that he can and get some sort of shape and form from them. It's why, no matter what he does complain about substitutes, he's not throwing them all on because he's still got to keep a body back in case there's an injury. And he can't change those games if he's been told Thiago can only play 20 minutes, this and that. He's just got to go for fitness and hope it's enough. And sometimes it's not. Because I think we overlook how important training is to these players. Like It's all very well doing the 90 minutes and it's what they pay to do. It's what they love doing. But it's the tactics, isn't it, it's on the training field, seeing how a team sets up, working on all these different solutions. And Liverpool are just looking a bit tired in games. They're not quite at the raises. They're just getting through them. And while they're perfectly capable of raising the levels against one of the, the top teams, they've always got that in the locker against the best teams that they can find that next level. It's gone against them in some of the other games. But if we're looking at the last couple where they haven't taken the chances, like against Newcastle, well, Crystal Palace is the complete opposite, wasn't it? Everything they hit went in the goal. So it's one of those, you just have to be used to it because it's not as though it's only Liverpool it's affecting. Yeah, it's been disappointing a couple of draws, but they're still top of the table. It's still affecting every single team in this division. Like You look at Manchester City, they're having an equal uh, issues with the, the lowest teams. Like They drew with West Brom, didn't they? And it's going to be the case all year long. Liverpool just need to make sure that they're within touch and distance of the top if they're not at the top and then finish strong. It's going to be the case for all the teams in the title, Jason. At the moment, they're the team best place when they've still got these players coming back, when they've still got Thiago there. And you're hoping he can be the difference because he can unlock these deep defences. I, I think we've mentioned a few times, you can't underestimate the injuries because they basically just come in two positions, haven't they? Attacking midfield and centre-back. 
And while a lot's been made of the centre-back situation, the other thing that's happened there is that Liverpool can't play the ball out of the back in the same manner that they would do with Van Dijk. I remember they played Arsenal in the um, in the league and won, it was 3-1, wasn't it, on the Monday night. And Arteta, Mikel Arteta, the Arsenal manager, came out afterwards and said, even when we put everybody in midfield and, and looked to block, you know, and then put them on pressure, the, the defence under pressure, Virgil van Dijk can just hit a 50, 60-yard diagonal pass to Mohamed Salah and then they've broken through our press and then they're away. And Liverpool don't really have anybody who can do that in the, in the centre-back. You know, you can't. You know, Nat Phillips, that's not his game. It's asking a lot of Reese Williams. And the one time that he did do it, Liverpool scored a goal against Tottenham because he played that diagonal pass, didn't he, out of defence. That set up the move from when Salah scored the first goal. And Fabinho, that's not really his game either. And, and, and you know, with Fabinho, he's desperate just to get back into midfield, isn't he? And start, you can see every now and again, he, he, he wants to be doing that and starting those attacks in that manner. So he had to change his game. And it meant that the whole of the midfield had to change as well because of that. They've taken a step back, I reckon. You know, they've, they're not able to press on as much as perhaps they normally would do because they're thinking, especially away from home, they're thinking of protecting the, the defence, which how many away games have Matip and... I'd like, actually, it's probably worth checking. How many away games have Matip and Fabinho actually started together? Because they did at Crystal Palace and look what happened. Liverpool won 7-0. Uh, they did at um, Fulham, but Mat Matip went off at half-time. He certainly wasn't there at Brighton and he wasn't there at Matip and he wasn't there... Uh, against uh, Newcastle, so that's something that perhaps we could look at. But that's that's something that has to be taken into consideration. And then all the attacking midfielders have been injured, haven't they? Look, so Chamberlain was out for ages, Cates is in and out, Thiago, he's only just come back, Shakiri was out for seven weeks. They're all the same type of player, the players who can make the difference. And as Theo said, now that Jota's out, the actual forward who can you know change things around a little bit, he's, he's gone as well. So it is difficult for Liverpool because of the fact that on so many of the injuries have been in positions that's meant that they've had to not completely ch change the style of play, but they've had to change it in a way that's made them a lot more difficult to beat because, let's face it, they've only lost two games in 90 minutes this season and one of them against Atalanta actually ended up not meaning anything. The other two defeats have been on penalties after draws with Arsenal in the, in the Community Shield and the League Cup. So Liverpool are drawing a lot of games at the moment, but the, the reason is they haven't got that player who can change things around in midfield because it's, it's been asking a lot of Curtis Jones to, to be that person when he's only played, I think is it eight or nine Premier League starts and you saw against West Brom second half, he kind of lost his way a little bit. Against Newcastle, he wasn't great, but he's only young, so he'll, he'll learn from that. That's This is now where you've got the likes of Thiago coming in, Oxide chain will get chances, Cater. These are the players that can, that can make a huge difference simply because of the way that they play the game and can provide a bit more support to the front three. Well, you've both mentioned the T word a few times, so let's get top in. Um, Thiago came on. I mentioned to someone earlier, so that was a good half an hour cameo from him. And he corrected me and said it was 17 minutes. So I think that underlines like the impact he had. Um, he was all everyone was talking about after the game. Uh, Dorian, I'll just come back to you because obviously you were there. Mm. How impressed were you by his, his cameo? And does that give you hope that Liverpool will have, I mean, you mentioned that option, someone being able to play the ball and switch play from deep. Does he give you hope that Liverpool will now have that going forward? It's interesting because Thiago's now played three games for Liverpool. One of them was against Chelsea where they had, I say, they had 10 men. So basically they sat back and he had the ball all the time. He had these 17, well, it was, what was it, 21 minutes if you count the four minutes added time where Newcastle sat back and had the ball all the time. The interesting one is when he played against Everton where he was getting involved and getting stuck in. And Everton were pressed back rather than actually just dropping back, if you see what I mean. So... That was the game where possibly everybody went, hang on a minute, 
we know he's a great player, but now that we're actually seeing him in the context of this Liverpool team, we can now see how good he can actually be. And going, to, going back to his performance against Newcastle, you know, he was given the time and the space. And then the interest, what for me was the best bit, I know we can always, we can, he can pass. And he, you know, saw the, the pass he put out wide, I think it was to, was it to Trent? Trent, I think, uh, released him for one chance. Was the fact that when there were the 50-50s in midfield, the amount of headers he won. It's like he's only like you know he's only a short guy, but he was getting up there and he was winning. I think he had a hundred percent success rate with his aerial duels. I think he had four or five. So that's that underlines that he's a kind of player who not only is he great on the ball, he's great at going off and getting it as well. And you can never have too many players like that in midfield. And when you add on the fact that he's you know you've also his passing ability and his ability to do those passes where it looks like he's looking one way or what I you know what we'd say around the corner and, and put players into space is the fact that he doesn't seem to take too much time thinking about it and it's that tempo and that pace that perhaps Liverpool have been lacking in midfield in terms of getting the ball forward instantly and accurately and that's why you know there's very few players in the world who can do that Liverpool bought somebody in Thiago who can. And he's going to make a huge difference, you know, no matter what team he, he went into. He's, you know, he went to Bayern, Bayern Munich and they won the Champions League last season, partly because of his contribution. So he's somebody who, if he's fit, which it looks as though he is, I wouldn't be surprised if no, we'll come on to picking teams at some point, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts at Southampton. He's somebody who's going to make a huge difference because the way he plays, but also the way that it means that all the other players around him can play. How impressed were you, Theo, by him? I mean, I, I, I think Sean mentioned in a podcast earlier this season, cameos off the bench and, and Derek Kout's debut where he just came on and just made an instant impact running around like a crazy person. And I know, look, they're, they're two very different players, but it was that it was that impact off the bench that made you sort of step back and go, wow, um, what a player. What about you, Theo? How, how impressed were you by him coming off the bench um, against Newcastle? And what do you think he can bring to the football? It just makes it look so easy, doesn't he? And it's one where we all knew he was good, but he's probably sold himself a bit short going to Bayern Munich and being there for so long, having been sold by Barcelona. Because, you know, Arieri's a good player, but you never really watched him. I'm going to say for 90 minutes, but Liverpool fans haven't had a chance to watch him for 90 minutes yet. But the fact that he makes it so easy, and you think, oh, how good does he look to these players in training? Like every single Liverpool player who's played for them for the last 20 years will go and say, Steven Gerrard was just sensational. You just watched in awe of what he could do on the pitch and training. And you're like, well, Phil Thiago, this is another one. You can just step above anything we've seen before. So is this what Barcelona fans had watching Xavi and Niesta for 10, 15 years? It's like a criminal that he didn't get the chance to stay in that Barcelona midfield. And it is just a league above what Liverpool had before. He could be one of the most gifted players in the Premier League era for them. And we've only seen him for, what, two games? If you add all those minutes together... I've certainly missed that sort of playmaker role since Gerrard's retired, since Xavi Alonso. But it's like we didn't see Alonso in it at his best. He had his best days when he went to Real Madrid, when he went to Bayern. And Thiago, well, he's at his peak. We know before he came to Liverpool that he's going to miss games through injury. He's going to pick up knocks. But he is more than just give it to him on the halfway line and he spreads the passes. As Doyle's mentioned, no one's expecting him to win a lot of those 50-50 headers and he won all of them. He can get into tackles, he can get forward. I think he had a chance, didn't he, where he had this fierce uh, half volley block. It's like, well, I'd love to see what Darlow would have done against that. He's just in a player that gets you excited. He gets fans excited whenever he's on the ball. you watching and all waiting for what he's going to do next. And it's only just begun. We haven't seen what he can really do in this Liverpool team yet. It's just these little glimpses. 
you're hoping he can get a consistent run of games going. You're hoping he can keep on building on this and it's not going to be one where we'll burn out or we'll struggle with the physicality of the English game. But I think it's just one of these players where the class shows he is a world-class player in a world-class team. But for him to stand out even better than most of his teammates, it shows how good he is. The other thing that we can't underestimate with Thiago is the fact that he's just spent two, what was it, two and a half months or whatever it was on the sidelines at a team that he's presumably, you know, he's been looking towards joining for a little while before that. So he's had like four or five months of him being absolutely desperate to get out there and play for Liverpool and show what he can do. I mean, as, as Theo said, you know, perhaps people have underestimated it by Munich, especially, you know, he, he, he could have been the player Barcelona need right now, to be honest. He could have been all the way, if he'd have stayed, he could have been there all the way through. Um, but he, he'll be absolutely desperate. He'll have this hunger and desire. And at a time when Liverpool's players, not saying they've had the desire blunted or, or anything, but a lot of the players will have been, you know, they'll be tired. That was part of the, the reason for the performance against Newcastle the first half. They looked a little bit jaded, but he's somebody who won't. He's somebody who'll be the complete opposite. And given the fact that he's such an, an integral player, Liverpool will hope he's such an integral player and he's such an important player and he can have that influence. When you've got your most one of your most influential players with that extra bit you know, between the teeth wanting to go for it, that can make a huge difference. So I you know, don't want to overplay it a little bit too much, but if he stays fit, he could be massive in that sense as well because he can take the pressure off the likes of Jordan Henderson in the midfield trying to run around and set the tempo and everything. Suddenly you've got Thiago there, who's that's his natural game. He can do that by passing rather than you know running around and doing that kind of thing. And then you've got a bit more for the front three because they know they're getting a different type of pass. They're getting a different type of threat. And that'll cause more problems for opposed defences. So suddenly with one player, whether it was Thiago, and I know, you know, Cater is a different player, but he would have been able to do something a bit similar. Had he been fit, that's always been a problem with him. That's why Liverpool paid 50 million you know, more than 50 million pounds for him. But Thiago is somebody who we know can do it and he's got that extra motivation to, to go out and actually show himself. I think it says all you need to know about what Jurgen Klopp thinks about him. The fact that in the games where Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's come back, he's very much been eased and hasn't he? He hasn't had as many minutes off the bench. And you think looking at the team sheet, well, Oxlade-Chamberlain would have been a more obvious player to give him, say, half an hour. He's got a bit more in his legs having come back from the injury. Yet Klopp would rather, from the off, just throw Thiago in in a game we weren't expecting him to be back for, when in the past he's had to ease Naby Keita, for example. That shows the quality that he's willing to take that gamble. And rather than make a change on the hour mark to get someone who could last longer, he'd rather rate those extra 10 minutes to put Thiago on because he knows how much of a difference he can do. It's one where the manager's excited, his teammates are excited. He gets that level from them. And you see, we've seen it in the past with like playing alongside a Fernando Torres, a Luis Suarez, a Steven Gerrard. You do get that extra 5% from your teammates. And it's incredible to think that Liverpool have got someone who's having that impact when this is a team that's got Virgil van Dijk, it's got Mohamed Salah, it's got Sadio Mane. Uh, I think all the opposing teams in the Premier League, while they might not be able to see them all in the same team this year, they should be very worried if they can get them all firing in the normal season next year. A quick one, Tony, before we move on from, from Newcastle. Slightly surprised we didn't see Takumi Minamino. He's not played in the last couple of games. Obviously, scored his first goal and played pretty well. It's a bit, uh, bit harsh, isn't it? A bit harsh. Yeah, he scores his first Premier League goal and then gets bombed out the team for two games. Um, I think, especially when he did quite well at Newcastle last season, uh, when they played there, and that was off the left wing. I think that is his position off that left wing. So for him to play, you would have had to drop one of the front three. Funnily enough, I think that might happen at Southampton. 
I think possibly a bit of rotation might come in there. But who the front three would you would you drop? I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But then come, I think it's the way that the game went as well, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he obviously thought I'm going to have to bring Thiago on at some point. When Alden had to come on to strengthen the midfield, and suddenly you two substitutes substitutions down. The weird one is why Shakiri only came on for a few minutes at the end. I can only assume that was just to give him some minutes and say, "Oh, finally, you're out there." Because to say, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think, oh, just to say, like, oh, look, he, he's, he's actually made his comeback. People will stop asking me about him. You know, maybe it was something to do with that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, by then, I think the game was definitely going to be a draw. But uh, but yeah, I, I, Minamino is an interesting one. I do think though that let's face it, look, the two games coming up, Southampton and, and Aston Villa in the cup, Minamino start at least one of them. All right, we'll move on from Newcastle, uh, but we will just keep an eye on the title race for just for the next next question. Um, so we've had Tottenham, Chelsea, Everton. Um, who else have we had that have challenged Liverpool for the title this season? Um, numerous teams have, have sort of Leicester. 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 Leicester, of course, yeah. Numerous teams have come and gone. Uh, Man United are the latest team that's sort of risen into that place and could go level on points with Liverpool if they win their game in hand. Theo, uh, I'll come to you first. How seriously did you take them as, as title rivals and is this shaping up to be a, a bit of a showdown between two of the oldest and biggest rivals in English football. Where have United come from? Like three weeks ago, we were saying Solskjaer's getting sacked. What, what's happened? Where has this form come from? But then you, you break it down and they have been rather consistent for the majority of the season. Yeah, they've had a few games where they've not been at their best. But I think people have probably looked at the Champions League group exit, looked at that defeat uh, in Istanbul, seen the few mistakes from Harry Maguire, David Dea, and they've laughed at United. They've belittled United. But they're still a good team. And they've got a world-class player in Bruno Fernandes. Uh, how serious are those title challenges? Well, you'll be able to say that depending on what they can do against Liverpool in this game in a few weeks' time. But I think it's from in a normal season where Liverpool have all the players fit or they don't have a fixture congestion, they're dominating this title again. Like the last year, they'll be streets ahead of everyone else. The fact that it's so close is because they've had the wings clipped. And that's why we're seeing the second-place teams changing so often with teams trying to keep up. United might be second now, able to go level one points, but only two, three weeks ago, they were ninth. Tottenham were, what, top, looking like they are going to build a healthy lead. And now they've dropped like a stone. It's going to keep changing throughout the season. That's why, as I said earlier, Liverpool just need to make sure that they don't drop, that they stay at the top. Um, Solskjaer, still not convinced by him. I don't think many people are. It was just a case of they've got a world-class player dragging them through these games. Granted, they've got some very good attacking talent, but you're still not convinced when you go through that 11 that they can be a match for Liverpool on their day. And it's just, you've got to have faith in Jurgen Klopp and his players that they can use the experience of last year to, again, see off the challenges and might be United this week, might be someone completely new next week. Who knows the way the table keeps changing. Maybe Arsenal now, have them on a couple of games, we'll see them go on a crazy run, 10 victories in a row or something and be in the mix for February. They have picked up more points than anyone since the day. Uh, Liverpool and United on the same day, both both humiliated. Um, United 6-1 by Tottenham, Liverpool 7-2 at Villa. Um, United have picked up more points than anyone. And they do have this little bit of a knack of winning games late on or, you know, in, in difficult circumstances. You've been around the block a few times. Are you mm. taking them pretty seriously or, or do you think that they're um, just the latest sort of pretenders? Well, a couple of things. The first thing, I don't think Bruno Fernandes is world-class. Um, I think that... Yes. Well, you know, so it's not not that big a claim, really, isn't it? Why didn't anybody else want to try and sign him? 
Um, I think that he's benefited from quite a lot of things in the same way that United have benefited. No fans has ended up massively benefiting Man United. Got to say that because it's allowed them to play a certain way. I mean, look at their home home record. You mentioned that they got beat by Palace, they got beat by Tottenham, they got beat by Arsenal, they drew with Chelsea. If if and they got beat by PSG at home as well. If there's fans in there, the pressure is different on the players, and it's also different on the manager. And I think possibly Solskjaer would have gone had there been people in there. It's you know the lack of fans has affected things in ways that perhaps we didn't think. I mean, I thought City would run away with the league purely on that basis, but obviously a few more other factors have come into play. Uh, go back to this season, United. Uh, when, remember the first game of the season, Liverpool played Leeds. I was walking into the stadium with Jan Mulby, and he was saying, "Oh, what do you think is going to happen this season?" And we both agreed that possibly United would be the big threat on the purely on the basis that they've got so many players. They have so many players of a, of, a, of a certain level that are all decent players, all good players, but one or two of them are world-class, not Fernandes. And, um, and, and you know, possibly, to, to be honest, possibly the most talented players, one that they got, he's going to leave, isn't he, Pogba? Um, but they've got all these very good players that when they can mix and match, they don't, it doesn't seem to affect the, the, the standard that much. And this is a season where that's going to play a massive part. You look at, you know, Liverpool, we know that the centre-backs, you know, Liverpool have lost their three main centre-backs and any team would struggle with that. How many injuries have United had? They've hardly had any, have they? Not really serious ones that I can think of. And they can, they can, you know, as I said, they can move these players around. And the fact that all the other teams are having problems means that they're able to keep up and and, and stay with the other teams. Probably, the problem United have got is look at their record when they've played good teams this season. Got beat by Tottenham, drew with Chelsea, Got uh, drew with City, got beat by Arsenal, got beat by PSG in the game that mattered, got beat by Leipzig in the game that mattered. They don't seem to be able to do it against the very, very best, but they've become very adept at doing the old United thing of just knocking over the, the lesser lights. And the thing, the other interesting thing is whether they take the Europa League seriously, United, because while they do have a lot of players, if they're playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday for weeks on end, that'll end up catching up, on, catching up with them. And... You know, I, I, I think with any if Pochettino had been in charge of United, they'd be miles ahead at the top. That's what I think this season. Pochettino was in charge. This is the season where it plays into their hands that they can actually, because of all these you know specific circumstances, they should be. I put this on Twitter and people just laughed at me. And now they're not laughing so much now, are they? When I put it a few weeks ago, look, United can can go joint top if they win. Just you know, we're recording on the Friday, aren't we? If they're playing Villa, aren't they? A bit later on. But there's every chance United could lose that game by two or three nil. That's just the, the way that they are this season. If with Pochettino in charge, they'd be probably in the same situation would be would be ahead. So I think United will be there all the way through towards the end of the season. Obviously, Liverpool play United in a couple of weeks. That'll be a massive game. Again, no fans will be allowed inside Anfield. So that's <laughs> something else that's played into United's hands again there. So uh, I do think that them and City. And Liverpool are the three teams. And as Theo said, if Liverpool had had, you know, even half the amount of injuries that they've had this season, Liverpool would be the team that's, you know, they'd be in complete control of this league. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. OK, then we'll move on. Uh, here's January, and that means January transfers. Um, I'm going to ask you what you think Liverpool should do and what you are expecting. Um, Theo, go first. I know you're going to say centre-half, but... Maybe perhaps be a bit more specific. Um, I need a centre half. 
I would have thought Johnny Evans would have been a good shout, but he's just signed a new contract. So that one, if we'd filmed this a couple of days ago, that would have been fine because he was out of contract in the summer. He's homegrown. He's got the experience. And it's just, well, who do Liverpool go for? Because it needs to be someone who isn't going to mind that they're going to be third or fourth choice when Van Dijk and Joe Gomez are back. It needs to be someone who's probably homegrown because of the limits they've got on the squad at the moment. And then it's, well, if you really have your faith in Reese Williams or a Billy Cometto, it needs to be someone who's not blocking them. The only problem is the quality options like that are limited. And then when you see the players that Liverpool are linked with, it seems to be the, the big names, aren't they? The more expensive ones or the younger talents like the lad from Ajax or Aka Koulibaly. I can't even say his name. You know the Leipzig one. Someone will have to say that one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I've, I've seen him play, he's been rubbish. He obviously isn't, but I just, have, <laughs> I just always seem to pick the games where he's hopeless. So he's going to be man of the match against Liverpool in the Champions League then? Oh, I, no, well, I'll, be, I'll be watching them, so he will be rubbish, yeah. But yeah, um, realistically, I don't think Liverpool will sign a centre-back. I think the fact that Joel Matip's only out for, what, two, three weeks, Jurgen Klopp will probably be quite happy carrying on as he is. Like we've seen before, when he signed Stephen Colker, that was a player that he just felt his hands were forced and he quickly realised, should have just stuck with what I got. What I had was fine, even if it meant playing Lucas at centre-back. It would be the same now for a Henderson or a Fabinho. And then you look at what else is out there. It'd be quite nice if we just went and got Diego Costa on a free. Just think, well, if you weren't rid of a yeah. uh, <laughs> an upgrade, isn't he? Like United have got Cavani off the bench, who's going to get them goals and he's going to be a threat. Yeah, let's just get Diego Costa and bully teams before drawing a nil-nil with Newcastle. Put him on for 15 minutes, get his elbows out. They win that game. Diego Costa will win us the league. <laughs> Won't happen, but it'd be nice. I, I, yeah, think, I think Theo has just written himself a story there. So. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> we, don't, we don't read it. We don't read it. We would. It's not going to happen, Diego Costa. Any, um, <laughs> any thoughts? Why not? Why not? A minute? Why not? Because uh, he's obviously been let go by Atletico Madrid. And Atletico Madrid are one of the teams that are interested in Origi. I'll tell you the one difference between Liverpool and United and the reason why Liverpool wouldn't sign a player like Costa whilst United signed Cavani. It's just wages. Liverpool just wouldn't pay well, silly money, silly wages for, for someone who's going to come off the bench. Whereas United have always seemed happy to do that, haven't they? So I think that, mm. that's a major difference. But go on, Doyle. Yeah, I, I'm interested. Go on. You, be more specific. I don't want to just say centre half. Is there yeah. is there a type of centre half? Is there you know like a Johnny Evans as 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 Theo has just said, or a younger person that could perhaps compete uh, further down the line? Yeah, I think Diego Costa would be a good signing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, he's he's told me into this one. Uh, no, right, centre back. But for a start, I don't think that they will, because I think that they'll probably look and possibly if things go badly wrong they could play Henderson at centre back and I think that might be something that Jurgen Klopp might consider I think we've got to bear in mind that the number of factors here is one Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez when are they coming back we've seen a lot about van Dijk you know we've seen him out in Dubai doing his, his training this that and the other I haven't seen anything of Gomez so you do wonder what situation he's up to so the other thing is money how much money do Liverpool have to spend? Yeah, you know, we, we we were led to believe that they didn't have, you know, because obviously the uncertainty around the coronavirus, the pandemic, that they didn't have a lot to spend in the summer. And it turns out that what was it, the Wolves deal with uh, with Diogo Jota? I think Liverpool put, you know, gave him a Kit Kat as the initial deposit mm -hmm. or something stupid like that. It wasn't a lot. Was it five million or four million? It wasn't a lot, was oh. it? Yeah, four million. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't a lot. And 
Liverpool might have to do something like that. But you know, the other thing I think is January. I mean, Liverpool signed Van Dijk in January, but they signed Van Dijk in January because they didn't get the deal done in the August. That's the reason that happened. And they signed Minamino because they knew he had a contract clause in his contract. And other than that, I don't think they've actually signed anybody of any note under Jurgen Klopp. And the players that they sold were Coutinho, because, you know, again, because he nearly went in the summer, then he didn't. And then his money allowed them to pay for, for Van Dijk. And the other one was Dominic Solanke, who, you know, Hormuth offered £19 million for him. And Liverpool would have been daft not to accept that for a player who wasn't playing at the time. So there's not really been much ins and outs in January for Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp. I mean, in terms of a centre-back, say, you know, Johnny Evans was a decent shout, but you wouldn't want to pay him a lot of money in terms of wages. You wouldn't want to give him a long contract. Obviously, he can't anyway, but he's the kind of player. Did he bring somebody with experience? I'm not sure whether they actually would do. And if you're bringing in a younger player, you probably have to pay a premium for it unless you know somebody from abroad who's you know, got that kind of contract running towards the end of a contract or got a clause. And even then, as Theo pointed out a couple of weeks ago and written the piece that Liverpool would have to then sell somebody to free up a space in the squad for a, an overseas player. So there's quite a lot of complications for Liverpool to bring in a centre-back. And the other one on top of that is that I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll look to sign a centre-back in the summer anyway. And they may well be a long way down signing somebody on a deal with that. That's just a guess. But no, the way Liverpool work, I wouldn't be surprised. And they'll have one or two or three targets. And if they can't bring them in, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Why would, you know, they may as well just wait until the summer is what they think, especially if they're going to spend big-ish money on it. Because the alternative, you know, the alternate argument to all of this is, well, they've done really well to get top of the league this season. Paul Fabinho's playing out of position and it's always going to be, you know, he, he said he was nervous at first when he came in and he's always going to want to play in midfield. He deserves a little bit of help. He's always having to cajole whether it's Reese Williams or Nat Phillips, somebody new through the, through the team when Joel Matip isn't there. And we have to assume Matip's going to be missing more games this season, whether through injury or being rested in the hope that he doesn't get injured. So if, unless Jurgen Klopp thinks he's going to play somebody like Henderson at centre-back for some games, I do think they should sign a centre-back. In terms of what kind of centre-back, it's either going to be somebody who they were going to sign in the summer, they'd have to pay more money for him, or it's going to be a younger player who they believe the He's got experience because otherwise, why would you bring in a younger player when you've already got two younger players playing already? You've, you've had, he's been training with the team for a year, two years, or whatever, and they've been playing this season. So you can see why they might want to bring somebody in. But all the, you know, a lot of fans will be thinking, well, we know Matip's going to get get injured or at some point again. Why would you not bring somebody in? And the reasons are for the reasons I've just explained. Hope oh, that's all you know. <laughs> the curveball with it is if um, they look at the players who aren't really getting game time, who like, I don't know, a Tamori, a Rudiger, and they've got their eyes on places in Europe, and you think, well, we could try and get them on loan for half the season. But then I can't see any team like a Chelsea or a Premier League team wanting to loan a centre-back to Liverpool because they're going to think, well, whilst they might not be at the top of the table, the way that the season's going, they could easily be in a title race come the end if teams are dropping points over. You don't want to do Liverpool a favour. Then you're looking overseas, well, are there any centre-backs who aren't getting games you could look at for maybe a loan deal to try and get the value up? But then it's still not many English ones play over overseas that you think they could do a job. So you're again tied by, oh, you've got to sell a, a foreign player to bring in a foreign player. It's just it's so much hassle for a player that you're hoping if Joel Matip's fit for the end of January, you might not see a lot of, apart from the odd rotation here and there. And Virgil van Dijk, we'll, we'll know at the end of January when he's going to be back. 
because if they think he can play eight full time, he's going to be registered in the squad because he's not in it at the moment. And then Joe Gomez, it's the same with him, whether they have to register him. What would Liverpool rather do? Have this player who isn't going to really be part of their future or they're not really sure about just to fill a gap for two, three, four months or have the space for Van Dijk, have the space for Joe Gomez and give the minutes to a Williams, a Cometio and hope that they're good enough long-term or just to give them that experience so they can put a few million on their price tag when they sell them two, three years down the line. Well, that, that, that's the other thing. You look, you look at the start of next season, you'd have Van Dijk, Gomez, presumably Matip, Fabinho can play there. If they sign somebody else, then you've got Reese Williams and suddenly they've got loads of centre-backs, which they won't need all of them. So it is a, it's a balancing act. Me personally, I'd buy somebody and I'd buy somebody who they were going to look to bring in anyway and just see whether they can get a, you know, even if they have to pay a little bit of premium because then they'll have an extra you know, six months or whatever to acclimatise because they won't be expected to play every single week, is what I think. But, you know, I don't know how much money Liverpool have got. I don't know how what advanced their targets are. I don't know whether the clubs will want to, as, as Theo said, want to sell. So it is a difficult one. I mean, in the old days, they just go to Russia and sign Martin Skirtle or someone like that. So, you know, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore, does it? Iger was centre-back. Uh, sorry, Iger was a January signer as well, wasn't he? That's and yeah. yeah, there's a player in Russia called Dejan Lovren. Well, I was, think, I was thinking that, but obviously Russia's season is, it used to be, uh, didn't it used to be like March to November in the old days? But now it's it's same as the uh, same as the rest of Europe or most of Europe, so they can't go back and get him because while they're out of the Champions League, he's still got to play in the league. Otherwise, yeah, bring Lovren back. That'd go down well, wouldn't it? That'd go down very well. Stop saying it in the old days, Dolly. It wasn't that long ago that they signed Skirtle. Uh, Skirtle, it was about... 12, 13 years ago. That's a long time. It doesn't feel that long ago. That's a long time. Remember, that was on a Friday night as well. Remember that. Anyway. Uh, uh, Mauricio Pellegrini, Pellegrini, no. No. Pellegrini, Pellegrini. is literally like, he was the oldest player in terms of the way he played that I've ever seen. Pellegrini Pellegrini Slope, as I used to call him, yeah. I've never seen a man age so quickly. Right, um, quickly, let's move on because um, we're, we're running out of time and my two-year-old's woken up from his nap and uh, off the team went loose. Uh, Southampton, um, I watched them recently against um, Man City and I, I thought they were excellent. Uh, they lost that game, but they, they pressed Man City all over the pitch and um, really looked up for it. But they, they've sort of, the goals have dried up a little bit for them. Um, Theo, will that play into Liverpool's hands if they come out and press press Liverpool? Is it, will it be... A better type of game for for Klopp's team than, than say Newcastle or uh, West Brom. Um, potentially, I think Southampton they're a talented team and they've just grown and grown, haven't they? In the past year, since losing that was it nine nil to Leicester. I've got that the right way around, haven't I? Um, and you just think that they do look exciting. Um, Theo Walcott, he's like he's a player that people thought he'd be when he was Arsenal. The form he's showing. Danny Ings has had a couple of injuries, but we know how deadly he can be in front of goal when he's got the chance. Uh, che Adams, he took some time to settle, but he's now looking a real threat for them. Uh, they've got talented midfielders, got talented defenders. They'll be hoping to challenge for Europe. I think they've got enough talent where it won't be a case of we're just going to sit and defend, play for a draw, and if we can nab a goal to win it, great. And it would play into Liverpool's hands. But Southampton have shown against the big teams before that they can hurt them, they can cause them problems. They beat Man City, didn't they, uh, last season? Che Adams scored from ridiculous distance. 
Uh, so it's one to be wary of. I suppose it helps that they've got this long uh, New Year weekend to get ready for it. But then, as we saw last week, Liverpool with a few more days off isn't necessarily the best of things because they can sometimes be sloppy from that. Uh, but you'd like to think they can start 2021 the right way, get back to winning ways after a couple of underwhelming draws. And it'll be interesting to see what Klopp does with his team selection because while it might be a tempting one to rotate a bit, when you've got the Aston Villa game in the cup, that's the one you're going to throw all the, re- the reserve options in when you're going to give minutes to Shakiri and that. You're not asked about the FA Cup. By. So, yeah, go, just flatten Southampton. Let's go for another 7-0 away from home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not going that far, but... Doyle, are you, um, what are you sort of game expecting from Southampton on Monday? Well, Southampton came to Anfield last season and got beat 4 0. And it was probably the most harsh 4 0 that I've ever seen. I think Southampton played really well that day and they had the, uh, the chance at the start of the second half, didn't they? Where I think Ings went through and there was a bit of a shout for a penalty. Uh, that was last season, wasn't it? I literally can't keep up with That was last season, wasn't it? Yeah. All the years it must have been last season. Yeah. 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 I think that actually was about February, was it? Something like that, January? Oxley Chamberlain scored. Anyway, the point being is that, yeah, I think Southampton will come and play, a, well, they'll be at home, they'll play a certain game, they will look to press Liverpool, and I think that's why, I know we'll go on to the team in a sec, why Thiago might start, because they'll be able to pass all the way through the press, so I'd expect a tough game, I'd expect, it's interesting, yeah, Southampton have just suddenly forgotten how to score, haven't they? As, as Theo said, they just, I'm not entirely sure why that is, but again, they did threaten. I think on another day they would score against City. Hmm. Well, I know Liverpool did that against Newcastle, and people are saying, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's it's that's part of the game. You can't just say one thing for one team, one thing for the other team. So you know, I, th- I think it'll be a tough game. And are we going to do the team? Yeah, let's do the team. Come on, okay, you can start. Uh, right. Well, Allison's in goal, which I know is a controversial decision. Um, Centre back is going to be interesting. Can you go to Theo first? I'll have a think. Well, Reese Williams, I thought, struggled against West Brom. And I thought Nat Phillips struggled a bit against Newcastle. So is it one where you just put, I'll go on Jordan Henderson, Thiago's back. Let's play two centre-mids at centre-back. Um, would you get that desperate? Out of the two young ones, I prefer Nat Phillips, which isn't really giving you an answer. But yeah, Phillips or Henderson? I must admit, I, I think that's a little bit harsh. I thought Phillips played... Distribution-wise, perhaps not so good against Newcastle, but I thought. He'd... I'm just thinking of when he got he struggled against Callum Wilson, didn't he? When he just completely went past him, and you're like, "Well, he's going to get the same sort of challenge from Adams and Ings." He struggles yeah. a bit more against those pacer options, and it's not as though it's one man up front. Southampton will go two up front, and then they've still got Walcott behind. They've got Redmond. They've got another couple of pacey options there. It's whether you want someone with a bit more now about them, like Henderson, even if it has two midfielders, or you're hoping that Reese Williams is a pacier option. But then I've just said. Uh, yeah, I've just basically given all three of them a shout at one point. Fabinho <laughs> starts at centre back. <laughs> yeah, come okay. choose the other one. Can you just at least tell us your full backs or your full backs? You don't, you're not going to change anything there. Straight and Robbo. Yeah. So, any, as, as Theo's staring um, <laughs> example there helped you make your mind up? No. Um, <laughs> so. Robertson left back. I think Trent's a little bit lucky to be playing at right back. I think. While he's obviously got the talent with you know, one was called a delivery and that crossfield pass he did in the second half at Newcastle, I think. Oh, first half, sorry. I think uh, he's not been particularly great. And um, Nico Williams, he's just not played the games, has he? I think he'll play against Aston Villa. So Trent's got a Fabinho will play as well. In terms of the other centre back, 
don't know. I think you I think you are a bit harsh on Phillips there. I think he did he did fine. He's not he's not a pacey defender, so he's just gonna get caught out by stuff like that. Um that's the concern against because that's what he's gonna be up against. Yeah, but I don't oh. I'm gonna pick Troy because we we're gonna get a move on. So I'm gonna pick Williams for that reason. I think he's slightly pacier than than Phillips, and I don't really want to go down the route of playing Henderson at centre half. Um I just think I wouldn't he'll... be surprised if Henderson played centre half in this game, but I'll go for Williams. There we go. There we go. We did we got there eventually. So <laughs> so go on, stay with you, Doyle, because Theo's midfield's mad. He'll probably play a goalkeeper in midfield. Well, uh, Henderson's going to play. Um, Thiago will start. I think Van Alden will be back in. Yeah, simple enough. Theo? Um, yeah, it's probably the same three. The only other one is if Oxley chamberlain got a start, but then with the Cup game, Oxley chamberlains more likely to start that. Uh, Thiago, you're not going to play him in the Cup. You're going to play him in the Premier League. So, Thiago, Genie, Henderson. If Henderson be... plays centre-back, you'd put Oxley chamberlain in midfield because he'd be quite yeah. keen to make a mark against his former team. So and he has done in the past. Yeah. You play Minamino? Would I play Minamino in this one? Having built him up, no, I'd still play the number three. <laughs> <You're not laughs> but I think he'd be the first sub. There you go. No, um, no complaints from you there, Theo? No, front three, Shakiri, Minamino, and Arie can have the Aston Villa Cup game. Unless um, Jurgen Klopp wants to give, I don't know, Salah the captain's armband and save him for that just to keep him happy. Great stuff. Hit me up with a prediction, Theo. 2 1. 2 1 to Liverpool. Yep. Ian Doyle. 1 all. 1 all. There you go. I'm going to go 2 1. What about you? 2 1. 2 1. Liverpool, yeah. Oh, I just think there'll be a bit of space. And I don't think Liverpool can, can keep missing so many chances. Um, keep your predictions hats on quickly because it is 2021. So just, just for a little bit of difference at the end there, let's make some 2021 predictions. So Doyle, starting with you. Champions League winner. <laughs> Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Let's say Liverpool just because it's a Liverpool podcast. I, I'm going to say Liverpool. I just think that, that they might fancy it. Um, Premier League. Um, City, probably. I've said City at the start of the season, so I'll say them. City, Liverpool, United and still Chelsea, top four. Would you ever predict Liverpool to win anything? Um, well, I predicted them to win a few games. But you know, I have to stick with. It. I did say City at the start of the season, but it's not. It's it's not come, transpired the way I thought. But I still think those four. Did uh, Liverpool to win the Premier League? I just think they're the best team. Got the best players. Well, I would like to point Liverpool are the best team by miles. But unfortunately, when you have so many injuries in two specific positions, you're going to struggle. But they're still top with those injuries, so I'm going to back them. The uh, the FA Cup, Doyle. Everton, 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 Everton. Yeah. You heard it here first, Theo. A Charlie still in it. Uh, I don't know. Don't let's go. Yeah, let's go. Someone like that. Um, uh, Man City. Did you Man call City. me I'm gonna, boring? I'm gonna go Chelsea. Did you just win the cup? <laughs> Pep's got to win something to stay in a job. But who you say your top four is? You're asking me. I've done my top four. I've done my top four. Oh, you did throw it in there. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Go on, Theo. Um, Liverpool. Man United. Man City. Tottenham. 
There you go. And who's going to win the Euros, Theo? Seeing as you care. Um, France or Spain. France or Spain. There you go. What a, what a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> again. It was just so half arsed that I thought I'd, I'd let him finish with that. But go on, Doyle, finish it off. Um, France or Spain. France or Spain, there you go. Called it off, COVID won't let us play it. Right, we'll leave it there. What a a great start to 2021. (laughs) I'm sure everyone will enjoy this on their run or whatever New Year's resolution that they'll soon break. But yeah, there you go. Thanks thanks very much. We'll see you around Tuesday. I think we'll be back on Tuesday, not Monday, to discuss um, all things Southampton. Hopefully, a Liverpool win. And look ahead to everyone's favourite cup competition. See you then. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.